Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Poetry Super Highway Live. It's our August 2016 show. I'm excited to have you all with me. Normally, we do an open reading every month where you have the opportunity to call in and read a poem to a potentially worldwide audience. I assume at least 2 billion people are listening every month, uh, so that's a pretty good opportunity. Um, this month, though, we're having a special edition of our show. It's our annual conversation with our poetry contest judges who are all on hand and uh, chomping at the bit to uh, give you insights as to what they are looking for as they read your poems. We're going to get to them in just a, a, a couple of minutes. I want to tell you a little bit about the contest and a couple of other things. This is actually uh, our uh, the sixth year anniversary of Poetry Superhighway Live. We uh, started six years ago, and in fact, our very first show was our conversation with that year's Poetry Contest judges. So uh, that's exciting. We've been doing this for a while. Um, it's actually the... Um, yeah, so um, so get excited about that, and um, if you if you uh, were planning uh, on using the show to call in and and read a poem as part of our open reading, just a friendly reminder that we're not doing that this month. I encourage you to still read a poem out loud somewhere today. You could do it in your living room. You could shout it out your window. You could call your friend on the phone, uh, tweet it for God's sake. I don't know, uh, but uh, but uh, don't don't let the fact that we're not doing an open reading this time discourage you. Get excited that this is an opportunity to learn insights from our poetry contest judges who uh, are reading the poems that you enter into the contest. I don't know of any other contest that gives you uh, this kind of direct uh, access or insight from the contest judges. Uh, on the other hand, there's probably a lot of them that do that, um, as I don't keep track of all of the contests out there. But but there you go. I think this is a cool thing to do. Um, we will be having an open reading next month. It's going to be on September 11th, so save that date. And um, also, just a reminder, uh, this is something I remind every, people of every year uh, during this show, since it's our, basically the anniversary of Poetry Superhighway Live. If you have an idea for a poetry-related show that you would be interested in, uh, in, uh, in, in hosting or putting together, please contact me. Um, I'd be happy to uh, pass over the Poetry Superhighway Live channel to you if you've got something in particular that you would like to do that's in the broader spectrum of, uh, of poetry that you think would be of interest <laughs> to our listeners. So contact me. There you go on that. Um, so we're currently running our poetry contest. We um, we have 63 sponsors this year, which is a, a giant number of uh, of people who have pledged to send out prizes to you if you um, if you are uh, uh, so inclined to enter the contest. Where uh, what happens is if you if you enter our contest, you have the opportunity to. Uh, to get a prize just for entering, you know. So uh, if you enter a poem and you don't happen to be one of the top three winning poets, as chosen by our judges, who we'll be speaking to shortly, you will get a prize just for entering. A poetry book, a service of interest to poets and writers, uh, a subscription to something or other, um, which is pretty cool. So you really can't lose just for entering one poem for one dollar. Uh, uh, you're definitely going to get something. Um, which, uh, which, which. So yeah, think about that. We also, in addition to that, of course, uh, we currently have 126 prizes donated by our many, many sponsors. Thank you to our sponsors for pledging to send out that many prizes to all of those people. And I'd like to especially highlight a couple of our sponsors who have donated money. Uh, Roland Vassen offered 250 dollars to our contest to add to the prize pot, which will be divided up between the top three scoring poets. In addition to that, Gene Colonymous uh, from right here in Southern California threw in another $25, and an anonymous sponsor pledged $20 as well. So the way this works, you, you may already know this, but we have uh, – we um, 
we uh, we oh, oh, take all of the <laughs> we we get uh, we get all of the prize money that I'm sorry all of the uh, contest entry fee the one dollar per pound entry fee that you uh, submit that gets divided a hundred percent by all of the people who enter the contest so with that in mind uh, you you say we get five hundred poems that are entered add the two hundred and $95, which has been contributed to that, divide that up between the winners, and it's a big chunk of money. So uh, so get excited about that. Uh, so you're going to win either way to some extent. So all right, ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> our judges of this year's contest happen to be the winners of last year's contest. So that's exciting. I'm so excited. I always invite the people who are the top three scoring poets of the previous year's contest to to be the people who judge this year's contest, and all three of them said yes, so lucky me. Um, and they've already uh, uh, received over 200 poems, uh, most of which they've sent back so far, so they've been doing great work, and I'd like to welcome all three of our judges. M. Brett Gaffney from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, Brett. Hello. <laughs> Trish Hopkinson from Provo, Utah. Hello, Trish. Hello. And Helen Townsend from Indianapolis, Indiana. Good to have you, Helen. Hi. All right. So um, I've got a bunch of questions for you guys, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I, I would also just one last thing before we get into that. I just want to invite anyone who's listening, if you have a question for our judges that, that I might not be covering something uh, that's specific to the contest, uh, there's a couple ways that you can ask it. Uh, one, you can call in and ask it. The number to call in is 646-716-7362. You can post the question in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, um, which you can find right on the uh, the show page. If you're if you're listening on Facebook, you have to click over to the uh, the uh, page to see the chat room, um, or you can post the question directly to me in a Facebook message. I'm Rick Lupert. Hi, um, and I will be happy to pass on your question directly to the judges if you don't want to call in. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is my first question. Um, so, I, I'd like you to tell us um, a little bit about yourselves, what you do for a living, um, and uh, and how you came to poetry and maybe when that happened. So let's start with uh, with Brett. Um, so I currently, I live in Cincinnati, um, and I am a library associate um, in actually northern Kentucky, right across the river, and uh, where I actually do my best to promote poetry, um, especially contemporary poetry uh, in the library. And, um, yeah, I love my job so much. Um, and I'm two years out of my um, MFA in poetry, and I sort of got there by, you know, I, I went to college. Um, I hadn't really written a lot of poetry before then, um, and I went to my first um, poetry workshop at Stephen F. Austin University in this tiny town in East Texas called Nacogdoches. Um, and it doesn't... It's not spelled any way like it sounds. Um, and I went to my first poetry workshop, and I was so nervous, but the professor there, Christine McDermott, she was so um, so supportive and so welcoming, and so I just felt like I can write anything. Um, and, um, and that was sort of my first um, foray into, into poetry. Um, and ever since that workshop, I was sort of hooked. Um, I just took all the classes I could, um, and then she sort of helped me, uh, you know, with those dreaded applications um, to graduate school because I'd realized that that's what I wanted to. I wanted to really, really, you know, study it and, and get three years of, of good writing in. Um, and uh, and luckily, I got it. And, uh, yeah, I... That's sort of how I, I got there was just taking a class, you know, and um, opening myself up to it. Um, and I haven't turned back since. So. <laughs> <laughs> and may you never. May uh, may you yeah. may you keep going forward forever. 
I, I guess as the as the first place winner of last year's contest, uh, it's uh, it certainly worked worked out well for you, at least uh, uh, from our narrow perspective on that. So glad to have you on board, Brett. Um, Trish, how about you? Where where uh, what do you do in your regular life, and and how did you uh, come from poetry? Come to poetry. I um, I have a career in the software industry of all things. I'm a product director at a, a custom software company here in Utah. And I have been there for 17 years at this point. <laughs> so um, I enjoy that quite a bit, actually, as well. And, and I, I do get to use writing at work some, obviously not poetry, but I do quite a bit of technical writing. And that's really helped me a lot uh, in that career as well. Um, and then I came to poetry, I think I just was born that way. Um, <laughs> I just it's always genetic. really... Uh, well, a little bit of that. Uh, my my mom really instilled a love of words um, when I was very young, and I learned how to read very young, and I started writing very young, and I still probably have, you know, hundreds of nursery rhymes memorized. Um, but I've just I've always I've always loved words and um, loved poetry for as long as I can remember, and been writing it for as long as I can remember. So I, I finally was able to um, go back to school and get my creative writing degree, which I finished uh, end of 2013. And since then, I've just been moving forward with poetry here locally within the community. I, I run a couple of uh, projects here, a, a poetry group as well as a poetry promotional group. Um, I go to local workshops when I can, and, and I run a community workshop once a year and some other things, um, not to mention my blog. So I, I stay pretty busy with this stuff, and, and I imagine that uh, poetry will continue to be part of my life, big part of my life um, forever. Well, that's t- that's two commitments in that direction so far. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, there, I don't think a day goes by that I don't see a, a post from you uh, giving some kind of useful information to poets and writers. So uh, thank you for that service that you're giving to all of us. Just really quickly before we get to Helen, the concept of poetry at work. Uh, a friend of mine um, had an office job, and he would use his downtime to to write poems on his work computer. And then a, a memo went out to everyone in which the ominous statement uh, was was included: "Poetry has been discovered on the office computers." <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> as if you know, as if that was a you know something that need to be disinfected or something. I don't know, but um, glad to have you, glad to have you with us, Trish. Um, okay, so Helen, how about you? Welcome, uh, welcome aboard. Where what do you do uh, outside of poetry, and how did you come to poetry? Um, well, first off, before I get to that, I just want to tell Brett, one time on a family vacation, we actually went to Natchitoches, Louisiana, which is right across the border from Nacogdoches. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, can you hear me okay? That's Nacorific. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I actually work in, well, my first career I taught English, but um, I now work in public health, and I work um, with people who are sick with tuberculosis. Um, and, um, that's, that's the job I have that pays the bills. Um, and then when I'm not doing that, I write, um, I, I guess I always knew poetry existed because my dad wrote poetry. So my whole young life, you know, whenever he wasn't at work, he was sitting around either writing with a pencil or pounding out something on his typewriter. So, um, I don't remember life without poetry, uh, let me see. I think that's it. I don't have a degree in creative writing. My degree in English was for teaching. And then um, my public health degree is, of course, we write things like grants and um, and quarterly reports, but not terribly poetic. Although I try. Yeah, you could slip in a, a meter or a verse into, into something, you know, and no one will mm. be the wiser. Uh, beware of ominous memos, though. Um, Helen, um, so so glad to have you on on board too. It's um, it's obvious from just hearing the answer to the first thing I asked you that we have a really wide spectrum of of backgrounds and sensibilities reading the poems that are that are coming in. So it's really exciting to know that, and and especially I, I hopefully inspiring 
or encouraging to people who are listening who might be considering entering the contest knowing that your poem uh, you know might have a good chance with at least one of the people who are reading it if not uh, if not all three so um, you guys entered last year's contest you obviously did very well in it because the three of you won it um, my next uh, question is uh, do you uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience in in poetry contests in general and you could refer to your experience in this contest last year if you'd like do you enter many contests um, and and in and, and in this particular contest I do you remember what prize that you got last year so just maybe just a view of poetry contests in general um trish let's start with you this time i i enter some i don't i don't enter a lot i typically focus you know the time that i have for that type of work to submit to literary magazines um, and journals and and working on craft and things but but i have i do usually um, participate in in a few contests per year um, I think I've done a Poetry Super Highway contest for a few years. And then also, um, and last year, I think I won, it was really close. To, if, if you round up, it was about $250 that I won second place. Um, and I'm notorious for second place. I always get second place. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but uh, I have occasionally won first a couple of times, but um, with the different um, contests that I've entered here locally and, and when I was at uh, the university, I always come in second. So apparently that's the place my poems like to be. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, considering the vast number of people who probably rarely place in a contest, there's there's really nothing to sneeze at in coming in second on on a frequent basis, I'd say. So kudos to you. <clears throat> <laughs> Thanks. Sure. Um, so, Helen, how about you? Your experience with poetry contests and and last year's poetry superhighway contest. Um, I really I don't submit to contests very often at all, and it seems like there are only two that I one that I won and one and this one that I came in third. They were just kind of a lark. It, um, you know, it wasn't. I didn't work really hard on a poem to send it in. When I do that, it's like I never get anything interesting. But um, the one last year, um, I can't remember what the prize, how much I won. I think it was like close to one hundred and eighty dollars, though. It was like an incredible amount of money, um, and um, it was exciting because I had no, I had no expectation that I was going to get anything. So, um, so that was nice. Um, the, um, in general, you know, I'm when I write, I tend to have big projects. You know, like um like I'll work on a manuscript of of like 80 or 90 poems, and it's like while I'm doing that, I don't tend to do anything else. So that's probably why I don't submit very much cuz I get kind of um just fixated on on this kind of big project that I'm working on. But um I probably should. I mean, get feedback that way. You do. And I, I suppose you can with uh with some publications as well. I, I there's sometimes a little box you can check on a submission form if you'd like like feedback and uh, we don't do that uh because uh I, I can't imagine putting that that kind of much more work into the amount of submissions that that um that I get but uh but yeah, I I think the best thing you can do for your writing is to put it out there in some form that allows you to get feedback. And that includes going to an open mic and reading poetry in front of people. Uh, even if they say nothing to you afterwards, the, the reaction that you get while you're reading it, it can be, can be very telling. So, um, so yeah, well done. And Brett, how about you experiencing contests? Yeah, I, I sort of want to second um, Helen on the expectation sort of portion of things. Like, um, I don't, I, I don't often sit up to a lot of contests, um, and, and mostly, and, and this isn't the contest fault or anything, but the the app, you know, the fee. Um, a lot of times, it's we see like I think twenty dollars um, is kind of the typical um, fee, and so I sort of like, okay, well, I can allow myself one entry this year, you know. Um, 
and I also, yeah, I mean, like Helen said, I have no expectation that um, I'm going to win. I sort of put all my love into um, the the applicant of a submission. Um, and last, you know, last year when uh, Poetry Superhighway was recommended to me by a friend, I, uh, you know, and I saw that it was a dollar a poem, and I was like, I can do that. I, I can do that. Um, <laughs> and um, I was working a part-time job, um, and I was also working at um, a haunted house um, of all places. I was an actor at a haunted house, and that's where I was when I uh, got the news that I'd won. And it was, like, a horrible night, and, you know, I was still covered in, like, fake blood and um, grime and, and everything. Um, and then I picked up my phone, and a friend of mine actually realized it before I did, and so I get a text from her, and I was just ecstatic. I was so excited. Like, the amount of excitement I had for that was immeasurable. Uh, we went out to dinner that night at, like, Steak and Shake, and I just couldn't stop talking about it. The people that were surrounded by me um, were not writers, were not. They were like, you're a poet? Like, that's a thing? And, um, <laughs> and uh, I could sort of explain to them a little bit about that that sort of world that I'm in, um, and it was a, a wonderful night um, for me. So that was like the epitome of, of getting, you know, that reward for, for putting yourself out there. I believe Steak and Shake is the official poet's uh, meal of champions. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> well done. I you know, there's a big uh, culture of haunted houses in the Midwest. I, I, I imported my wife from Kansas City, and in downtown Ken- Kansas City, they convert a lot of the the old buildings which aren't being used <clears throat> into these amazing multi-level haunted houses. You can imagine these industrial facilities that are multi-floors and all kinds of things. Um, so we went one year when I visited her there and um, um, some kind of automatic ghoul punched her in the face. <laughs> it was not a good experience. <laughs> so I, um, then, then we're... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you oh, go ahead. I, getting punched in the face, that's, I'm, I'm very sorry that that happened, but I... To counter that, I was punched in the face last season by a patron um, for scaring them, and they got scared and gave me a black eye. <laughs> so it goes both ways, I think. Yeah, there's there's a great tension, I think, um, that that really goes undiscussed about uh, between uh, haunted house patrons and and workers that probably should be uh, explored further. At another time by another group of people. Um, cool. Well, so um, I just want to remind anyone who's listening that if you have a question for our three contest judges, feel free to call in. The number is 646-716-7362. You can message me a question on Facebook or post it in the chat room as well. All right. Uh, next question for you guys. I'm wondering if you can tell me uh, – to, to, well, I, I asked you guys to prepare poems to read. So we're going to start by – Start with the poem that you picked by another poet. I think it's a could be an interesting insight to the people who are listening who are considering enter entering the contest to know what poets you're reading and 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 why you picked this particular poem. So maybe you could tell us um, who some of your favorite poets are. Read the poem that you picked, uh, even if that may be a poem not by one of your favorite poets, and why you partic- picked this particular poem. And poet. Um, Helen, would you mind going first? Oh, man, I wasn't prepared to list my favorite poets. Um, Well, first off, I have to say, I grew up in the southeast corner of Kansas. So Kansas City was like my city growing up. I feel like all I have left is Trish to find some kind of connection with. And then, you know, all the circles have connected. Well, we got 35 Um, minutes yet to discover it. We can do this. (laughs) Okay, well, the person I'm going to read today is Katherine Larson, and she's a poet. She's also a scientist. That probably does, there's probably a reason why I like her so much, because I've got that kind of bent in me, too. Um, but I could say another poet I really like is, um, I don't know how to say his name, Fadi Judah. He's a Palestinian poet. And David Shumate, I'll mention him. He's a prose poet, and he is, um, he lives in Indiana. Um, 
so do you want me to uh, to go ahead and read the poem? I do want you to do that. Okay. Um, this is um, a poem from her book, Radial Symmetry, and it's called Statuary. The late cranes throwing their necks to the wind stay somewhere between the place that rain begins and the place that it ends. They seem to exist just there, above the horizon. At least I only see them that way, tossed up against the gray October light, not heavy enough for feet to be useful or useless enough to make gravity untie its string. I'm sick of this stubbornness, but the earthworms seem to think it all right. They move forward and let the world pass through them They eat and eat at it, content to connect everything through the individual links of their purple bodies. To stay one place would be death. But somewhere between the crane and the worm, between the days I pass through and the days that pass through me is the mind and memory which outruns the body and grief which arrests it. Very nice, Helen. Why why'd you pick this particular poem to share with us? Uh, you know, well, this was the, it's the first poem in, in this book. And when I first bought the book a couple of years ago, um, I just had to read it over and over and over again before I ever moved on. I loved it that much. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing, I mean, you, if you look at it on the page, the way I read it is not the way it looks on the page. It's like you have to read it several times to figure out the syntax of it and the way the lines connect to each other. So it was um, kind of like a little puzzle I had to put together too. That was really interesting to me. And mostly I just loved, I loved the topic and I loved the way the imagery of the crane and the worm and how they fit together. I, I was just, I was, I, I love this poem. Great. Well, thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing with us. Um, all right. What about you, uh, uh, Trish? Can you uh, share the poem that you picked, and or list some of your favorite fo- poets, and and uh, and and then share the poem that you picked? Sure. So, um, you know, some of the more famous uh, traditional—well, po- I don't know about traditional, but some of the more famous poets that I love. Um, Sylvia Plath was probably my first favorite poet when I was a teen. And then uh, I love Paula Neruda. I love Emily Dickinson. There there are many, but those are kind of um, ones that I go back to over and over again. A more contemporary, uh, Mary Oliver, of course, because <laughs> she's brilliant. And then I, I really have a soft spot in my heart for a lot of poets that um, have spent time here in Utah or live and uh, teach here in Utah. Uh, Meg Day is is certainly one of my favorites. Um, she recently just won the, the Amy Lowell Prize, so she's traveling abroad and um, currently for poetry. And then uh, Rob Carney, who is another one of my favorite local poets. He was also one of my professors at school. And then this poet that I'm about to read, her name is Catherine Coles. And she currently teaches up at the University of Utah. And so this is, this is one of her poems. It's entitled Longevity. In a world full of poison, you survived the copperhead you carried into your mother's kitchen, whipping its tail while she screamed. Your father beheaded it with a shovel on the linoleum, then beat you blue. That was just the first. Later came water moccasins, rattlers, asp at breast, and scorpion at the heel. Black widow hiding in the laundry, laundry, minding her own bloody hourglass until your hand reached in. The world provided no such end, but left you after all that for me. And for me, counting down, bite by bite, what eats you? Mm. 
if we refer back to the previous poem, I think it's worms that end up uh, eating you. Um, <laughs> Trish, I, I really resonate with with what you said, uh, or the fact that you listed local poets who as among your favorite. Whenever I'm asked that question, uh, invariably some of the poets who rise to the top of my list are people who I know from the local poetry scene here in Los Angeles. I mean, very often, if, if you go to a lot of readings, you end up becoming, you know, familiar with a particular group of people and, and you, you know, whether or not they're famous or, or widely published or, or whatever, they, they uh, are probably just as good as other folks who, who people may have have heard of, and so it's uh, it's cool and inspirational to to hear a list of those kind of folks on your list of favorite people. So thank you for uh, sharing that and the sure. poem. Sure. Um, okay, uh, Brett, how about you? What's uh, what's uh, what? Who are your favorites, and and what poem have you got for us? Um, so <clears throat> the poem that I have is um, Mark Doty. Uh, he was one of the first poets I I read in in uh, um, as far as contemporary poets go, um, and I fell in love with his collection, uh, My Alexandria, um, and that's what I'm going to be reading from today. But some others um, <clears throat> are Patricia Smith, um, Tonight I You, I think she's so fierce, um, and uh, Tarsia Fazula. Um, oh my gosh, there's, there's so many. Um, but uh, a lot of them are the ones that I came to first. Um, in, as far as contemporary poetry goes, um, and um, also Toby Barlow, who's not like I, I think a, a poet in the way that that we sort of think about um, poets in some ways. Um, he's got a collection called Sharp, or a novel in verse called Sharp Teeth, and I just <coughs> I not that book enough. Um, but the second book is, is prose. Um, but anyway, I could fangirl about lots of lots of poets um, for the whole time we have. But I'm going to read uh, a poem uh, entitled Fog uh, by Mark Doty, and it's, um, I'm reading this one because uh, I just spent eight hours at Waverly Hills Sanatorium in a uh, sort of, I mean, it's a, officially a, a, a ghost investigation, but I sort of go there for um, inspiration for this project that I'm working on. Um, and so I'm very much thinking of uh, this, you know, the difference between our world and, and ghosts, whether that's literal or um, metaphorical. Um, and so this poem is called Fog, and this sort of tackles some of those uh, issues. The crested iris by the front gate waves its blue flag three times, three days exactly. Then they vanish. The peony buds tight wrappings are edged crimson. When they open, a little blood color will ruffle at the heart of the flounce, unbelievably white. Three weeks after the test, the vial filled from the crook of my elbow. I'm seeing blood everywhere. A casual nick from the garden shears, a shaving cut, and I feel the physical rush of the welling up, the wine fountain dark as Siberian iris, the thin green porcelain teacup our homemade Ouija's planchette rocks and wobbles every night, spins and spells. It seems a cloud of spirits, numerous as lilac panicles, fly for occupancy. Children grabbing for the telephone, happy to talk to someone who isn't dead yet. Everyone wants to speak at once, or at least those random words appear, incongruous and exactly spelled, energy, immunity, then N has immunity W has and that was all one character Frank distinguishes himself a boy who lived in our house in the 30s loves dogs and gangster movies longs for a body says he can watch us through the television asks us to stand before the screen and kiss God in garden he says sitting out on the back porch at twilight I'm almost convinced in this geometry of paths and raised beds, the green shadows of the plenum, there's an unseen rustling. Some secret amplitude seems to open in this orderly space, maybe because it contains so much dying, all these tulip petals spinning at the base until any wind takes them. 
I doubt anyone else would see that, looking in, and then I realize my garden has no outside, only its subjectivity, as blood is utterly without an outside, can't be seen except out of context, the wrong color in alien air, no longer itself. Though it submits to test, two to be exact, each done three times, though not for me, since at their first entry into my disembodied blood, there was nothing at home there. For you, they entered the blood garden over and over, like knocking at a door because you know someone's home. Three times realize the test, three the Western blot, and, in, and then the incoherent message. We're the public health care worker's 9 o'clock appointment. She is a phantom hand who forms the letters of your name and the word that begins with T. I'd lie out and wait for the God if it weren't so cold. The blue moon huge and disruptive above the flowering crab's foaming collapse. The spirits say fog when they can't speak clearly and the letters collide. Sometimes for them there's nothing outside the mist they're dying. Planchette, peony, I would think of anything not to say the word. Maybe the blood in the flower is a god. Kiss me in front of the screen, please. The dead are watching. They haven't had enough yet. Every new bloom is falling apart. I would say anything else in the world, any other word. <clears throat> Do the dead ever get to nap? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Great poem. We're learning a lot about your uh, your interest in the occult, whether it's uh, being at a haunted house or the poems that you choose to uh, to read. Uh, uh, Brett, thank you for sharing that. Why that particular poem? Um, because, I mean, it really is because of last night, I, I, you know, I'm sort of running off with not a lot of sleep and, uh, working on this poem about Waverly Hills Sanatorium and the people that lived there, um, uh, made me, you know, well, I grabbed Mark Eddie Foote because he, he was my, sort of my first, uh, contemporary poet, uh, to fall in love with and then, you know, flipping through his book and I just felt like fog was exactly what I'm trying to sort of cap into. <laughs> with my project. Great. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, for uh, uh, being willing to share a poem by, by other folks. I'm not sure if this this next part uh, it will be easier or more difficult, but uh, I'd love for you to also share a poem by you and to give us, uh, you know, you, you might all participate in readings uh, somewhere, so it might not be unusual for you to read a poem, but you, you picked a poem of yours in particular to read on this show as contest judges with potential contest entrants listening. So if you can give us some insight as to why you chose uh, this particular poem of yours to read uh, uh, with that in mind, I'd appreciate it, um, even if the reason had nothing to do with that uh, as well. That's fine, too. Uh, Trish, let's start with you. Okay. Why did I choose this poem? Um, it's been published recently, and I haven't read it on Poetry Superhighway in the past, and it's not one of the poems that was published uh, by Poetry Superhighway for Poem of the Week. Um and I just always love this one. I actually wrote this poem in response to one of Rattle's like, plastic challenges. And, of course, Rattle didn't take it because it's Rattle. Um, but it's, uh, it was recently published in uh, Stirring's Motherhood issue, so I'm quite proud of that. Um, it's a pretty short poem, um, but... Uh, in particular, the, the last stanza I've received a, a lot of uh, positive feedback on, and I feel like some of my best lines are in this poem, so that's one of the reasons why I chose it. Uh, it's entitled Offspring. Your bright eyes push up into blue, and your limbs, like stalks, climb the air with light steps, as if the atmosphere never pressed its weight into you, lifting as if light is thin and splits to make way for you. You taste of sunbeam and pollen. My tendrils pull me taut, tether me heavy to the dirt where I can't pull free from root or worm, drudging as if light is glue and emission confining me 
If only I could pluck a petal from your fingertips and place it between my ear and the earth, I would hear the rush of the sky. Nice. Thank you for reading that. I, you know, it's funny. I, w- I would just like to thank all of our contest sponsors, including Rattle, who has offered a, a couple of subscriptions to their magazine. Um, they are tough to get into, though, um, and maybe even known for that. I, I got in um, a, a number of years ago. I think I had a heart attack and um, at the time <laughs> as a result of that. And ever since then, um, I, and it's been years, I've submitted a number of times, have not gotten in. And when I've gotten the reje- rejection, it's al- it's almost a relief. It's almost like, oh, okay, whew, life is normal. I didn't get into that again. <laughs> but um, but I, I'm always happy to get my issues of Rattle and, and read them. There's an awesome interview with Brendan Constantine, who is one of my top three favorite poets of all time, uh, in the in the recent issue, which features Los Angeles poets. Um, so um, so cool, Trish. Thank you for sharing that. Um, sure, Brett. Let's let's move on to you and your poem and why you picked it. Um, so just to sort of continue off of my uh, ghost adventure, um, this is one of the poems from my my Waverly project, um, and uh, so it sort of links in with fog a little bit. Um, though this poem doesn't specifically mention. Um, any of the sort of paranormal um, reputation of of this uh, sanatorium. This is definitely a, a picture of tuberculosis at the time. Um, and it has a little epigraph. It's, it's called Tuberculosis in Numbers. Um, and the epigraph is uh, from Dr. Oscar O. Miller, um, a uh, physician in Kentucky. He says, in the past, we have been unable to get a true picture of the TB situation in Louisville, due to the method of keeping statistics. Two weeks coughing, when the mother's only son finds three bloody tissues, thinks of maple leaves. Ten days at the sanatorium, four ribs taken. One father teaches his boy how to wait by filling in crossword puzzles, 12 across, seven letters, to eat or devour. The boy's mother dies four months after his 13th birthday. Tuesday morning at 9, it rains. His father smokes one cigarette, two. Men come and take her body away, under the sheet, ten toes. One priest, four lines of scripture, the boy forgets which one. He counts headstones, 63. His father leaves one dozen roses eight of which still breathe. In school, he learns math. In college, science. He owns two bookcases, 42 medical textbooks, zero answers. His GPA is 3.8, and he's been with the same girl for two years. At night, he counts her atoms like stars. Ooh. <clears throat> nice ending, Brett. <laughs> nice um, but no ghosts. Very disappointing. Um, so, can you can you tell us? Did, did you? We do you want to give us some insight as why you why you picked that particular poem to to share today with us in this context? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think after after being uh, as, as far as like picking um, a non spiritual uh, poem, um, being at Waverly for eight hours among other ghost hunters um, who are sort of there for the thrill, I think, of of being uh, of finding something, of being scared. Um, and uh, the, my friend Brenda and I went last night, and I'm we're very much there to um, listen and experience and um, learn. And so uh, it wasn't necessarily as much about being frightened as learning the history and what happened and the grief um, of, or, you know, the happiness too, but um, a lot of people died and, and there was no cure for TB at the time. Um, and so I wanted to share one of my more historical uh, insights into, into this place um, and the epidemic of specifically in, in this part of Kentucky. 
Cool. Well, thank you for doing so. Um, all right. So, Helen, I think uh, I think it's your turn um, to share your poem and tell us why you picked it. Okay. I feel I actually have a poem about tuberculosis. I feel like I should read it, but I'm not going to. That's not the one I picked. Um, <laughs> but it cracks me up how you did a poem about TB. Um, so um, this the poem I'm going to read is one I also submitted to Rattle. Um, I did a, a um, the poets respond. Um, and it was the week that um, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie got married. So that's what I kind of took as my um, inspiration for the poem. But um, but um, this this poem is actually in the book that I wrote about the Yoga Sutras, a poem for the, um, a poem poems about the Yoga Sutras. So um, it's included in that book and um, I just wanted to read it because I usually end up reading very serious poems and this one's kind of light so I just felt like that would be a good thing to do Um, it's called They Look Like Movie Stars they look like something out of 1940s Hollywood as did everybody in wedding photos then black and white elegant updos wingtip shoes a staged kiss just like that one from BJ Day, minus the sailor suit and nurse's shoes, although she was a nurse. But she traded shifts, and he marked off from his freight train duties so they could honeymoon at Roaring River, and she could pretend she wanted to learn how to fly fish, and he could pretend he cared about fishing that weekend. And they kept a jar of quarters, and they bought one house, and filled up two bedrooms with six kids, eventually. And they dug holes for fences and scattered grass seed with slow precision, like they were burying emeralds. Hmm. <clears throat> nice, nice image at the end there. Helen, thank you for sharing that. Um, any, any thoughts on why, why you picked that particular one for today? Um, not really, except... Um, I don't know. I just uh, felt like being light, and that's kind of the lightest one I've I have. That's a it's a good enough reason, and it's a you know <laughs> it's it's a ni- nice contrast to to darker poem that we mm. that we just heard. So um and I and I think that's that's a, a great thing for people to hear that that contrast. Um, one of the things that I'm hoping that people who are considering entering will will realize is that you know any style has a chance any any theme any light any dark um has a chance of of getting getting read and 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 scored uh, potentially well with with different sensibilities so um so yeah well done um thank you all for sharing your poems i really appreciate you doing that i'm just uh we're going to get into kind of the um the nitty gritty of of some of the poems that you've read so far and and some of the stuff about uh that that you take into consideration as you score them uh we've got about uh, a little more than ten minutes left uh, to talk with you guys, so we'll go through it fairly quickly but if anyone just a reminder if anyone wants to call in and ask a question to our contest judges, the number is six four six seven one six seven three six two um all right so we're going to do this kind of a, a lightning lightning round because I got a lot of little specifics that I want to want to ask you guys. Um, first question, and this will go to uh, to Brett first. Um, any comments on uh, uh, without calling out specific uh, poems, uh, but any general comments on the entries that you've seen so far? Yeah, um, absolutely. There's there's quite a few that um, have really surprised me and, and I say that in a way that um they've made me rethink um the idea of like what poetry can do um and what it can do with certain content. Um again not going into detail, um, but I'm always really drawn to a poem for like multiple reasons. If it has that killer first line, right? Like you're gonna want to keep reading it. Um and if you know it pulls you in. Um and it does something different. It does something I haven't seen before. And I think that we've gotten a lot of um, entries that are doing that, um, that are doing things that I haven't seen before or turning things that otherwise are cliche on their heads. Um, and that's, I think, 
really powerful thing um, that you can do in poetry because, you know, we've, we've read a lot of poetry and so we read a lot of the same, I think, images. And so when you can make something new and fresh, um, that's my biggest draw to that. Cool. Um, Helen, how about you? Um, I think the thing that that um, grabs me is just a powerful image and language that presents it that's really fresh. You know, because if it's if it's cliched, I don't see it. Even if it's even if it's there, you know, I don't see it. Um, but I I can talk without saying which poem. But I remember one poem in particular presented a situation that I know I would have had a, a certain opinion about, but because of the way it was presented, by the end of that poem, I had to actually look at this situation in a totally new way. And I love that because it wasn't just presenting a, a picture to me, it was actually challenging the way I think about certain things. And that to me was incredible. Cool. And uh, Trish? Comments on uh, entries uh, we've, you've seen so far? Definitely, you know, a, a wide variety of topics, which I think makes it interesting uh, for us as judges to, to see a variety of things. Um, general comments. I I agree with both of what you know what the um, what Brett and Helen just said as well. I think just looking for things in a, a new way. For those, yeah, I'm such a word nerd that I really look for very specific <laughs> phrases that are just new and stunning and, you know, just the right phrase can make a poem special for me. So that so that's definitely one thing I'm looking for. But so far, I've, you know, I've enjoyed the variety and, and um, I've kind of liked trying to guess um, which poems are written by the same person because I think there's, some of them have a, a common aesthetic and and because this is all anonymous you know we don't we don't know um but it's kind of neat to to get a packet of new poems in and um try to imagine which ones are written by who and anyway i've had fun with that oh that's uh that's an interesting insight and i'm I'm happy to to provide you with that neat experience on an almost daily basis with a new <laughs> new packet of poems um you guys start you sort of sort of started to cover uh, the the next question I had for you um which um uh, in in your answer to the last question which is what specifically what kinds of things are you looking for as you're reading the poems so i I mean let me just throw that out there specifically as a as the question and see if you have any anything else to offer on that um Helen yeah, I think just to kind of restate what everybody else has already said i think really fresh language uh you know phrases that are brand new to my ear um words that that bring an image to my mind immediately i i think fresh that's if there's anything i'm looking for it's something i've not seen before cool um trish you could you guys can also feel free to say hey i just answered that move on <laughs> well, no, I mean, I would add a little bit to it. I'm definitely looking for um, no, you know, I'm looking for no cliches. I'm looking for interesting, <laughs> interest, interesting new topics. Like, I don't want the same boring topic or a new twist on the topic. I'm also looking for, like I said, you know, really just a line that just jumps up and, and, and is so impressive or new or important um like i said even just a little phrase and i look for i love forms so i'm always looking you know oh does this have a form um specific form or new form or twist on an old form um and you know i'm a sucker for sound i'm looking for assonance and consonants and alliteration and how it reads sonically um those are all things that that i'm really looking for so Nice. Um, uh, Brett, how about you? Uh, yeah, uh, just a second, a lot of that um, <laughs> image, sound. Mm. It's all uh, it's going to get me. Um, and uh, I love all kinds of poetry, but I'm definitely a sucker for the strange and speculative. Um, so a poem that's going to take me to that that weird world, um, I'm, you know, I'm definitely drawn to that too. Um, 
So, yeah. But, yeah, second a lot of that. <laughs> cool. I think you've just excited a lot of strange people with that comment. So, well done. Um, uh, I see a couple of questions in the chat room, I just all, which I'll add into the next question. One I can answer. Uh, Joan asks if poems have to be or, or, uh, previously published, or, or I'm not sure what, exactly how she worded it there, but um, it doesn't matter for our contest. Poems can be previously published or not. Um, the only caveat, which I guess you should take into mind, if, if, is that if a poem is previously published and one of the judges recognize it, I, I suppose there's a chance that it could unfairly sway uh, the score in, in either direction, uh, for that matter. Um, uh, all right, moving on. Next, uh, next lightning round question. Um, if you could give some real, like, nitty gritty on on the things that you're looking for when you're reading um, the poems, like anything that might contribute to points going up and down, mechanics, spelling, um, or anything more more general in terms of content or form or not form, etc. Um, Trish, let's start with you. Yeah, I think I already answered that. <laughs> Oh, of course. So, yeah, I don't have anything to add. I, that was pretty much what I was talking about in my last response. So. So, I mean, anything in particular that, that might throw up a flag that might move a, a, a score up or down? Oh, the cliche like, thing is pretty big. Yeah, I mean, okay. anything that, if it if it reads like a greeting card, <laughs> then I'm likely to score it a little bit lower, yeah. Cool. Would would spelling or errors or anything like that be something that you would easily gloss over if if it was a great poem? Typically, like someone who typically someone who really attends to their language is not going to have those types of errors. But it certainly would not. You know, mistakes happen. I mean, if it's a great poem, I'm not going to dock points because they spell the word wrong. I mean, I just recently had one published with the word shutter the wrong way. It was supposed to be like shutter, like you shutter, not like a window shutter, and it got published. So, I mean, stuff happens. <laughs> well, I I hear you can make a verb out of anything these days. So, um. <laughs> well, yeah, but still, <laughs> that was pretty embarrassing. Sure. Okay, Brett, um, how about you? Like, real nitty gritty on on what you're looking for in the poems and what could cause scores to go up and down. Yeah. Um, what is second of the cliche um that 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 turns me off pretty hard um because we've read it before um it's not new to me and uh and i think that you know rhyming schemes um i think it's got to be really good you know i think that if it's like a hallmark card then i'm less apt to you know score it higher but again, there's you know there's plenty of amazing rhyming poetry out there. That's not something to discredit. Um, but you've got to be got to be really on point. Um, so and if it is, then I'm I'm about it. So. Yep. Yeah, that's a little little insight for me in reading poems for for poet of the week as well. If I notice the rhyme right away, it's it's almost all I can see, and and so it really needs to be stellar. I almost need to. Not Notice the rhyme if it's gonna if it's gonna fly for me to pick something for poet of the week. So, uh, but I've published rhyming poems and and rhyming poems have placed in in our contest as well. So um, good insight. Um, we're we're running really short on time here. So Helen, I think you're gonna um, have the the last word here to answer that that last question on nitty gritty poems going up and down in terms of score. Okay, um, definitely cliches. Um, I think everybody said that. And I think um, also if somebody's using a particular meter or a particular rhyme and it looks like it's being manipulated to fit that meter or rhyme, then that's a, that's a real turnoff for me. I want, it, I want the poem to be alive and, and the rhyme and the meter to serve the poem, not the other way around. Gotcha. All right. Well, you guys, we I've got less than a minute left. I, I had like a long, long list of additional questions that I didn't get to, but I really appreciate uh, you spending uh, the time today to uh, give uh, people listening and potential contest entrants uh, the you know some insights on what you're looking for as you read their poems. And I want to thank you so much for being here today and all the amount, all the work that you've done so far, and the and the huge amount of work yet to come. So, thank you, Helen, Trish, and Brett. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank <laughs> you.
thank you for all speaking at once there because that's literally all the time <laughs> I had uh, for you to respond. Um, please uh, check out our contest online. Go to poetrysuperhighway.com uh, and uh, click on the uh, the contest banner right at the top of the page or uh, or under the contest menu. If you have any other questions about the contest, feel free to send me an email or a Facebook message. And uh, and good luck to everyone entering the contest. Remember, everyone gets a prize for entering. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.